Welcome to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show to help you to help and love yourself by taking what resonates with you and making it your own. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me interview extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping others in their own unique way. Together, we can make a difference, and it begins with love, love from the hip. The word Ayurveda comes from Sanskrit, ayu meaning life, and Veda coming from vid meaning knowledge. It is said to have first existed in the universal consciousness before it was passed down to the ancient Indian mystics through meditation. This information received was written on the bark of a Himalayan plant, which unfortunately was hard to preserve. Scholars of Vedic literature believe that Sage Vedvayas was the first person to document potions of Ayurveda in addition to other Vedic literature through his spiritual enlightenment. The Vedas that were written are comprised of four books, Rig Veda, Sama Veda, Yajur Veda, and Artharva Veda. Rig Veda, the oldest of the scripture written around 3000 BC, is the first to refer to the tridosha or the foundation of Ayurveda. But it is the Artharva Veda which really highlighted Ayurveda. The Vedas actually represent the psychological process of the human mind. The three Vedas, Rig, Sama, and Yajur, represent the three powers of the human mind, the power of knowledge, the power of action, and the power of will, known as the tri. Artharva Veda is the Veda of compensation or correction. According to Ayurveda, when harmony between your knowledge, the action, and the will is disturbed, you have to bring it back into harmony. And Artharva Veda represents the reestablishment of that harmony. Ayurveda, which has been practiced in India for 5,000 years, was at its peak in 520 BC during the Buddhist era. Ayurveda became the established healthcare system of India during the regime of Mauryaya around 304 BC to 298 BC. It was the British invasion of India which resulted in a decline of Ayurvedic medicine and resulted in an implementation of a modern healthcare system. Ayurvedic medicine, however, kept proving itself to the modern medical world. In the 1930s, for instance, there was no medicine for high blood pressure. They were bleeding people to treat them. The first anti-hypertensive medicine was brought forward by the founder of an Ayurvedic-based medicine company called the Himalaya Drug Company. He provided a medicine made from the root of a plant called Rofulvia seprentina. Later, later, a pharmaceutical company extracted the active chemical called Verserpine. In the 1970s, the World Health Organization, or WHO, conducted a study in conjunction with the Ayurvedic Trust, testing the effectiveness of Ayurvedic treatments on patients with rheumatoid arthritis. This study proved Ayurvedic medicine provided safe and effective relief without harmful side effects. In the mid to late 20th century, a generation of people disenchanted with the reductionism and materialism characterizing Western thought traveled to India, initiating what became an explosion of interest, still continuing today. They sought the teachings of Ayurveda and yoga. Yoga strongly complements Ayurveda. It is the sister philosophy to it. Yoga brings a person to the natural state of tranquility, which is equilibrium. While Ayurveda gives importance to the physical purification Yoga directly interacts with the mind and its action with the body. Ayurveda can also indicate which type of yoga is best for each person based on their particular constitution. Ayurvedic medicine is not just about treating the body. It is also about treating the mind or the consciousness. Ayurveda believes dis-ease originates from an imbalance and that imbalance can be mitigated and even corrected. And there are two methods to correct the imbalance. One is pacification and the other is purification. Ayurveda tells us there are six stages for how diseases progress. The first stage is that the imbalance is in one dosha. Stage two, an agitation exists. Stage three is when it spreads into the body, and stage four is when it goes into a vulnerable state. Stage five is the manifestation of disease, and stage six is the complications that come with it. Ayurveda can reverse everything up until stage five. Ayurvedic medicine can recognize each stage so that the disease can be reversed and so that the cause can be taken away completely. This is why Ayurvedic practitioners, upon first meeting their patients, ask who they are versus what disease they have. Modern medicine is based on treating in three ways, 
cutting something out, poisoning cells, and radiating the body. All of these are very expensive and invasive. Many Ayurvedic and integrative doctors believe there is room to fuse allopathic medicine with herbal medicine. It would be more effective, less expensive, and more humanly friendly. After all, Ayurvedic treatments are said to yield side benefits versus side effects. As the Dalai Lama said, the combination of ancient medicine combined with allopathic medicine can be an immense benefit to all of humanity. Today, I have the pleasure of having Angela Glass on my show. Angela is an Ayurvedic counselor and founder of Eka Veda Life. She will help you to understand how Ayurveda can be applied to you by explaining the doshas, the five elements, and touching on the imbalances associated with common issues. She will also share how shamanism complements Ayurveda. Plus, she is kindly offering a grounding meditation during this trying time for us all. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip. That's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Angela Glass on my show. Angela is an Ayurvedic counselor and founder of Eka Veda Life. Hey, Angela. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry you can't join us physically in the studio because you are local, right? <laughs> I am. I am. But it's safer this way. <laughs> totally. Totally. So It would be nice to get out of the house, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for everyone. So how long have you been an Ayurvedic counselor? I have been a counselor for about five years, but then I've been studying Ayurveda for over a decade. Okay. And what what drew your interest or what made you want to become one? Um, my own health issue. So I first dove into Ayurveda because I was having my own health issues, um, issues with depression, um, digestion. And I was introduced to it um, when I traveled to India to study yoga. And the doctor that I studied with told me one simple thing. He told me to cook my food because I was not cooking my food. I was eating a lot of salads. And it made a world of a difference. Just that one shift. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there is definitely something to this. And I just I went down the rabbit hole. Oh, wow. And so by cooking your food, you were alleviating your digestive issues. Was that also correlated to your depression issues as well? Um, no one just diagnosed that more or less, but I believe so. Yeah. And so then you studied yoga first, you said, right? Correct. And what made you want to go to India? Um, when I was in college, I started doing yoga and I actually did not want to do yoga. Somehow I got dragged there and <laughs> I bought a package I started practicing and I hated it. I felt so uncomfortable. It was the first time I really like felt my body. I was alone with my thoughts and I did not want to go back, but I was a cheap or poor college student and I bought a package. So I was determined to get my money's worth and I kept going and I noticed that it was starting to make a big difference in the way I felt. Um, I had a lot of insomnia when I was in college, and so I started to sleep better. My lower back started to feel better, so I kept going. And for about a year, I went two to three days a week until one of the teachers asked me if I wanted to teach, and I literally looked around like she was talking to someone else <laughs> because I was like, me, what? Um, and yeah, they had a little training program at the university I was at, so I did that program. I started teaching. One weekend, they had a professor who studied in India come and talk to us a little more about yoga and yoga philosophy, which was actually the first time I was interest, um, introduced to that aspect of yoga mm -hmm. from 
before that, I only knew asana, which is the physical practice. And it blew my mind. I was so intrigued. From that point on, I was like, I'm going to India. And I, I saved my, my pennies and I, I went to India. And how do you think it compared to just learning here in the States? I think there are a lot of great programs in the States, but I studied with a teacher who grew up as yoga and Ayurveda as part of their life. And I think that's something different when you see it fully ingrained into someone's entire life and how they live. Um, Also, I feel like it was way more disciplined, which Mm -hmm. I appreciated slash did not appreciate. It was hard. There was a lot of challenges, you know, like every morning we weren't allowed to talk until noon and every Thursday there was no talking. So it was just this vow of silence that really made you go inward and do a lot of self-discovery. So I really appreciated that and I feel like I got a lot out of it. Yeah, you were getting to know yourself. And so you were then bringing that philosophy basically outside of the mat. Absolutely. So how do you feel yoga complements Ayurveda? Um, It's amazing. So you had such a great intro. I feel like you took a lot of words right out of my mouth. But really, (laughs) Ayurveda is this healing modality. And they say yoga is the sister science to it. But also, it's just a tool. Yoga is part of the tools we use in Ayurveda. So Ayurveda helps us recognize, helps us understand our bodies, our minds, our imbalances. And yoga is one of those tools that we can use to create more balance. Okay. So bringing the balance into the mind and the body. Yep. Now, is Ayurveda for everyone? Absolutely. And why do you believe this is so? Because it gives us the tools and insight to manage our own health and our well-being. And What I love most is it truly understands that we are all unique, which I think we all know, right? We know that one size doesn't fit all, but we live in a society that doesn't necessarily cater to it, especially when it comes to, you know, diet and exercise. There's always this new fad that people are trying out. They're like, lose 10 pounds in, you know, two weeks or do this, but not all body types are cut out for those diets or those exercises. And they can do way more harm than actually benefit the person's well-being. Mm. And then also on the mental well-being too, right? I mean, you're just dieting, you're not focusing on your mental well-being. Right. And um, it's funny, I'm actually doing some continuing education while we have a little more free time. And Uh, One of the classes I was in today was really talking about our mental capacity in terms of Ayurveda. And it was talking about how to become a healthy person and where in Western culture, right, we think you're healthy when you're, you're fit and you eat right. But Ayurveda says that you are a healthy person when everything feels like bliss. So both your body and your mind. Mm. It encompasses all of it. That's great. Well, with that, we're going to have to take a quick break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. The veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go Beyond the Veil. 
Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin in Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin in Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way for just $65. Sakura Skin in Mind, treating skin out there with an ounce of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray, free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, Post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to send me a shout out at sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Let me know you're listening. Today on Love from the Hip, we have Angela Glass. Angela is an Ayurvedic counselor and founder of Eka Veda Life. So Angela, let's talk about Ayurvedic counseling. What are some of the issues you have addressed for people? Yeah, um, I tend to work with either people that just simply want to make a change in the way they live, but they don't know where to begin. And then I also tend to get a lot of clients that have autoimmune diseases. And what I tend to do with those um, with autoimmune diseases is really help them manage their stress and food triggers. Um, When someone comes to me for consultation, we go over everything, right? Whereas when you go to a doctor, you know, they're like, what's the ailment? Here's what I'm going to prescribe. I talk to everything from, you know, what kind of work they are doing to what their home life is like, what their, their poop looks like, literally right. we talk about. I <laughs> actually about remember that. the poop chart at best year. So <laughs> that was the first time I had seen that. <laughs> Go on. So I just really get to know everything about them. And again, you did a really great job in your opening talking about, you know, looking at humans as a whole, because when we have an ailment, it's, there's usually a root cause, but everything that we do in our life plays a role in our health. And I mean, there's a lot more studies now, and there's a lot more awareness around that body and mind connection. Um, But Ayurveda really, really taps into it to ensure that whoever we're working with can, they have the tools they need to ultimately create the healthiest and happiest version of themselves. Yeah. And is it hard to intervene by the time your clients come to you? Have most of them kind of been on round and round with allopathic medicine? Yeah, some of them. There are some um, who I feel like um, they also just like to try out all the holistic modalities or just kind of popping around with that as well. Um, But yeah, there are some that are just kind of they're at the end of the rope. They're like, I don't know what to do. I feel like, you know, I'm talking to my doctor, but they're, they're not hearing me and they're saying it's this one thing, but they're like, I don't feel like that's it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's so important because we ultimately, we know our bodies better than anyone else. And I even say that to my clients. I say that to my yoga students, right? You have to be in charge of your own body, Mm -hmm. right? I'm here to guide you. I'm here to help you find tools that you can use, but you got to take a moment to be still, to be quiet and to tap in. Yeah. And I think with autoimmune, having an autoimmune disorder myself, I think the most frustrating thing for me in Western medicine was that 
I was being told that my body was attacking me and that the only way that they were treating it was through suppressing my immune system. Mm. And so I imagine that that's not how Ayurveda, our Ayurveda treats it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's different for everyone I work with. Um, and I, I'm a counselor. I'm not an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, What's the difference? Um, Ayurvedic counselors and practic- practitioners both practice preventative health care and health promotion using diet life, and lifestyle. Um, however, the Ayurvedic practitioner is a professional with additional training in pathology and disease management beyond that of a, a counselor. So again, that's why I usually look at food triggers um, mm-hmm. and really help manage stress because those seem to be two key components that can really cause a flare-up. And would you say in Ayurvedic medicine that the body is actually believed to be able to heal itself? Absolutely. And I think um, like what doctors were telling you, right, that language of attacking, I also think when you tell someone that, that's really scary, right? right? And what are you going to do if someone tells you that someone or something's attacking you, right? You start to cave in, Mm -hmm. you start to tense up, which can cause all types of other imbalances as well. When we do that clenching action or we um, stimulate the, the parasympathetic nervous system, right? That fight or flight or freeze response. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's uh, switch gears a little bit here. I want to talk about the doshas. So can you explain what they are? Yeah. So the doshas are essentially archetypes. There's vata, pitta, and kapha. And each of these doshas are comprised of two of the five elements. And Ayurveda believes it's a little different if you study Chinese medicine, their elements are slightly different, but Ayurveda's five elements are air, space, fire, water, and earth. And so really like we understand the doshas, but more importantly, it's understanding uh, the elements that are, that make each dosha and those elements qualities to um, help us really create balance. And I'll get more into that in a minute, but I'll just talk a little bit about what each dosha entails. Okay. Uh, vata, vata is air and space. And those that are vata and dominant or maybe vata imbalanced, they tend to hold those qualities of air and space. So if you think of wind, right, you think of the qualities like light and mobile and cold. So vatas are more prone to just naturally being cold, especially if they they are imbalanced. They're prone to dry skin, dry hair, dry nails. Um, If you think of that mobile aspect of wind, they're more prone to insomnia and anxiety, nervous energy. When they are balanced, though, this vata energy, it's what gives us our flexibility and our creativity. Mm. Um, Vatas are also, right, they're professions tend to be something more on the creative side, like artists, um, singer, songwriters, dancers, even like in business, maybe they're graphic designers, right? They like to have that mobile energy. Their mind is always creating. Um, Pitta is fire and water and pittas are predominantly the fire element. And if we think of fire, right, we think of hot and sharp, light and mobile. So those that are pitta dominant or pitta imbalance tend to hold more of those qualities where they might be more prone to inflammation. So Mm -hmm. heartburn, acid reflux, rashes. They're also mentally more prone to agitation, irritation, um, just getting angry more easily. Mm -hmm. But when they are balanced, they are... We need them because they are the go-getters, right? Mm-hmm. They have that fire. They have that drive. They're determined to do things. And they also tend to be very orderly. So they are our leaders. They are our accountants. Um, who else is orderly? I can't think of. <laughs> but just more orderly and um, have that leader um, leadership quality. quality. Yeah. yeah. And then lastly, we have kapha, which is earth and water. And kapha, that energy of those elements is heavy, can be dull, um, oily, cold, 
stagnant. So when we are, if we're kapha dominant or we're kapha imbalanced, we tend to hold more of that. So we're more prone to feeling lethargic, more prone to depression, to obesity, um, to being just this general feeling of being stuck. So that, that can be in the body, like congestion, more prone to colds and allergies, and then also stuck in the mind. Uh, pittas can, or I'm sorry, kaphas can get attached easily to people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. Um, when they are balanced, they are known as the lovers of the doshas because they have this really grounding and nurturing energy. They tend to be our caretakers, so our teachers, our nurses, um, anyone that nurtures maybe even a chef or a cook okay now are we only one dosha we are not so there is what is called your prakruti and your vikruti so we are a combination of all of the doshas but just in different proportions we all tend to be more dominant in one dosha than the other Um, but i have worked with people that are tridoshic And that can mean a lot of different things though. So what's important again is to really pay attention to um, the qualities within your body, right? When you're feeling hot or cold or mobile or whatever that is, that's how you're going to um, cultivate balance. But now your prakruti is your combination of the elements and the doshas at the time of conception. And this never changes. So for example, I am vata dominant. So I tend to have more vata imbalances um, and I'm aware of that. And then your prakruti is your imbalances. So different life events and seasons and weather can all affect the balance of the doshas within us. Right now we are at the tail end of kapha season. Kapha, again, is earth and water, the heavy, the cold, the sticky qualities. And as we lead into spring, right, everything's starting to blossom, everything's starting to thaw. So we get a little bit of that sticky energy. And especially right now, I don't know if you've noticed, but my allergies have been crazy and I can see the pollen blowing everywhere. Which is not a good time during Corona, right? (laughs) There's a meme that says, you know, you have to defend your sneeze. Is it allergies or is it Corona? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we are all experiencing or might feel more kapha right now. So we do change based on season in that regard. Yeah, and, and we can manage it too. Like when we become more aware of it, we might not see that change drastically. Mm -hmm. But when we're not taking care of ourselves, or we're not practicing self awareness, that's when, you know, those are the people that tend to get the flu a couple times a year, or they're more prone to allergies when they're not taking um, precautions or just um, eating the right diet to transition into the right season. Okay, well, I want to touch back on doshas, but we're gonna have to take another break. But everyone stay tuned for the weekly skinny. On this weekly skinny, Ayurveda views the skin from the inside out. It looks to resolve the imbalance within in order to resolve the imbalance on the skin. And the best part is, the improvements noticed on the surface of the skin are the result of a more significant transformation happening within that will improve one's life in ways they never thought skincare could. Ayurveda identifies the root cause of many of the skin's issues to be in the digestive system, the liver, the blood, the emotions, the seasons, and the doshas. Ayurveda believes every single person has a dosha, which is a biological energy that governs that individual's constitution both mentally and physically. These doshas not only determine your optimal diet, lifestyle, and mental well-being, but also your skincare regimen. These tridoshas of pitta, which is fire and water, kapha, which is earth and water, and vata, which is wind and air, are intrinsic and last through your whole life but can be impacted by age and or seasons. So how do these doshas apply to skin types? Well, a vata skin type is more sensitive, dry, and rougher in texture. A kapha skin type is naturally oily, and a pitta skin type is freckled and more prone to sunburn and acne. Ayurvedic skincare products tend to be more of a minimalist approach and include cleansing with mixtures of nut powders, neem, honey, and lemon. 
rejuvenating with rose toners, performing a massage to one's own skin, and moisturizing with facial oils. Sesame oil is recommended for vata, coconut oil for pitta, and sunflower for kapha. Aside from Ayurvedic skincare recommendations, Ayurvedic practitioners believe becoming a morning person is also a great way to improve your skin and your overall health. Reason being, Ayurveda believes by matching our circadian rhythms with nature, our bodies will have ample time to repair on a cellular level. So by going to bed by 10 p.m. and waking up at 6 a.m., this is highly recommended. And when one wakes, lemon water is suggested to help eliminate toxins and hydrate the skin. Other Ayurveda practices to improve the skin are yoga, meditation, avoiding long durations in the sun, essential oils, and even donating blood. Donating blood is believed to remove excess heat, stagnation, and toxins from the body while purifying and rejuvenating the blood. A practice that has been around for 5,000 years, Ayurveda offers a profound view into the skin. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And if you're just joining us, today I have the pleasure once of having Angela Glass on my show. Angela is an Ayurvedic counselor and founder of Eka Veda Life. So Angela, how do we find out what our dosha is? Well, you can actually head to my website and I have a free quiz. It's right on the homepage. It says discover your Ayurvedic dosha or your Ayurvedic body type. And so you'll take the quiz and then you'll also get a freebie from me, which goes into more detail um, about each of the doshas. So you'll have a little more insight and you'll actually have it on paper, what I just talked about in our session together today. Perfect. So can we touch on some common issues, which I think many people are experiencing right now, like anxiety and insomnia, fatigue, digestion, and general congestion? Yeah. So anxiety and insomnia is vata energy. It holds the elements of air and space. So again, if we think about mobility. Um, and as I said before, we need that mobile energy um, or we'd never do anything. It's what makes everything happen in our body. It's actually called, Bhatta is called the king of the doshas because it makes everything happen. Hmm. But um, that moving energy is also what gives, um, when there's too much of it, it can feel chaotic. And so what we want to do is we want to bring more kapha, more earth and water into our well-being however we do that whether it's through our daily habits or whether it's through you know a yoga practice or the foods we eat but some tips that i have for you is to create a routine especially right now you know if you're stuck at home you're not going to work um, maybe the kids are home with you it can seem chaotic and so that amplifies that vata energy when there's all of this movement and then you're also like stuck in one place it can make us feel anxious but when we create a routine, right, when we set ourselves up to, you know, eat our meals at the same time, go for a walk at the same time, our body loves that rhythm. So it will naturally connect to that rhythm and you'll feel that anxiety start to melt away. Um, and this will also help if you do have insomnia. It might take a week or so to get there, but eventually that routine is going to help both of those things. And it's also going to help your digestion. Another thing you can do to help um, anxiety and insomnia is your breath. Uh, you can watch your breath. Are you holding it? A lot of times we create more of that tension, that vata energy, because we're thinking, we're worrying, and we start to clench our entire body. And we tend to hold our breath, which makes us feel more anxious. Mm -hmm. So just be mindful of the breath, slow and even inhales and exhales. Um, do you want me to go right into yeah, some of yeah. the other ones? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, fatigue um, is another one I think you mentioned. And this is more of a vata imbalance, but it can also be a pitta imbalance. So again, vata is this mobile energy. There's a lot of movement. So when we go and go and go, right? We're just depleting our body. It's almost like when we're vata imbalance, we're running in circles. We're doing a lot, but we're not actually completing anything. 
which just wears us out. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also say it's a pitta imbalance because that's when we are working on things and maybe we are getting things done, but there's still that moving aspect to it. And that's when we say we get burnout, right? We're burning the candle at both ends. Everything is overworked, our bodies and our minds. So to balance fatigue, what we need to actually do is slow down to let our bodies and our minds repair themselves. Mm -hmm. We need to eat nourishing foods and drink enough water, um, ensure that we are getting enough sleep. And this is a huge one. Do one thing at a time. <laughs> so many of us think we can multitask, but the truth is our brain, our mind is so fast, it thinks it can multitask, but it can't. Okay. So when we slow down and do one thing at a time, right, we're again, calming the entire body, giving it a, a chance to repair before it goes on to the, to the next thing. Okay. And then you touched on digestion a little bit. Um, what about general congestion? Yeah. Um, congestion, as I said, tends to be a kapha imbalance. So if you think of that sticky energy, right? Congestion is usually really sticky and gooey. Mm -hmm. right? We want to bring in heat to like melt that away. We want to bring in movement to break it up. So really all you have to do is move your body. You could also work on really deep breaths, right? Imagine your breath filling both the front and the back side of your body and then letting it go. Um, what helps also with movement is to do chest openers. So any type of exercise you do, if you just open your arms wide, maybe you, been, you even give yourself a hug because that opens the back of your heart mm -hmm. where that congestion also yeah. tends to congregate. So just, yeah, moving the body, opening your arms um, or opening your heart and breathing deep. And I think we can all use a hug right now. So <laughs> let's talk about some things people can do right now with Ayurveda to help boost their immune system. Yeah. So again, coming back to stress, um, manage your stress is a huge thing that you can do. And I know it's so hard right now, again, when, you know, you're stuck at home and depending your, on your work situation, you have, if you have kids with you, right, that increases the stress on top of whatever is already going on. But stress is one of the worst things for our bodies, right? Even Ayurveda, when I'm doing consultations, um, like I might suggest that someone gives up coffee. But I also say, I'm like, if you feel like you're going to have a nervous breakdown from not having your coffee in the morning, drink that coffee because to create that stress in the body is worse than drinking that one cup of coffee. Hmm. So we want to manage that. Um, and again, we can do that through our breath. I also really like um, a, a supplement by a Veda Warrior. They are a CBD company that has created stress-inspired supplements for each of the doshas. So once you know your dosha, they have their own uh, CBD strain for each of the doshas that you can take, and it just helps the body naturally manage stress. Okay. And then what about addressing your lungs or asthma? specifically. Yeah. Um, so I think I, rec I recommended this to you back and chatted. <laughs> um, black seed oil. Um, and this oil contains, I can never say this word. I'm going to give it a shot. Thymoquinone. Um, but anyway, this large word is an antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, has an antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compound. More specifically, it is an anti-inflammatory um, that is beneficial in reducing inflammation in the lungs and airways. I will say it does taste kind of gross, but it's really helpful. <laughs> of course, that's always the way it is. <laughs> so since you touched a little bit on food, I want to talk about um, with Ayurveda, I feel like most people kind of get, you know, they, when it comes to the food part of Ayurvedic medicine, that's where the challenge is. What would you yeah. say about the philosophy with food? Yeah, so well. Conventional nutrition believes you are what you eat. Ayurveda believes that you are what you digest and that all diseases first stem from digestive issues. And this is like a huge topic that we could talk about all day. <laughs> um, but really, we want to eat foods that are going to help our digestive system continue to run optimally. 
So three tips that I have for anyone um, that wants to start eating optimally for their body type and ensuring that their digestion is working properly is tip one is to recognize, again, the elements within your body, in your mind, and those qualities. So if you are feeling super cold, you're all shivery, and then you go eat a salad, which is also very cold, right? That's going to create an imbalance and it's going to be very hard to digest because you don't have that fire in your body Mm. um, to balance it. So I would recommend you eat warm food. Um, If you are feeling a pitta imbalance, so you're feeling irritated or angry, you've been out in the sun all day, and then you go eat a spicy burrito, (laughs) right? That's going to jack up the heat in the body, that spice, that irritation. So for someone that's experiencing that, right, you might want to bring in some cucumbers or cilantro or, you know, you can still eat a burrito, but perhaps don't put all the hot sauce on it. Okay. So it's really just finding that um, balance. And there are a lot of, you can Google, you know, foods for each dosha and you can look at those lists for some guidance, but I always encourage people to not put themselves in a box because a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm this dosha, so I'll only eat that food. Right. But again, we're still a combination of everything. So it's more important to be aware of where your body's at in the moment. And then with the seasons too, right? You're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks for explaining that. Well, we're going to have to take another break. And when we come back, Angela is going to guide us through a grounding meditation. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip. That's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Angela Glass on my show. Angela is an Ayurvedic counselor and founder of Eka Veda Life. And so Angela is now going to guide us through a grounding meditation. So please refrain from driving or operating heavy machinery while listening to this meditation. All right. I'm going to have everybody, if you are not seated already, take a comfortable seat. If you are able to, you can even lay down and either close your eyes or just let your gaze fall softly past the tip of your nose. You take any subtle adjustments as you arrive here so that you can fully settle in. If you're seated, sit tall, feel the crown of your head 
reaching up to the sky. And then take a nice deep breath in through your nose and let it out through your mouth. Soften through your face and hinging the jaw and releasing any wrinkles from your forehead. And today, as we move through our meditation, we're gonna focus on the root chakra the chakra in which is an absolute prerequisite for living a balanced and fulfilling life. The chakra that creates a solid foundation for opening the chakras above. Imagine that you are laying the foundation for a house in which you're going to live for a long time. A solid foundation embedded in firm soil will provide the stability you need to create a home filled with joy for years to come. The root chakra is comprised of whatever grounds you to stability in your life. This includes your basic needs such as food, water, shelter, and safety, as well as your more emotional needs such as letting go of fear. When these needs are met, you feel grounded and safe and you tend to worry less day to day. Draw your attention to the base of your spine, the home of your root chakra. Visualize a little red seed nestled in that very last vertebrae. Sit a little taller. Allow your inner confidence, your inner sunshine to shine upon that seed. Allow the crown of your head to reach skyward and the back of your neck to lengthen. Imagine all of your creative energy pouring down from your mind onto that seed. Allow your confidence and your creativity to replace any feelings of fear or worry. Watch as your seed begins to sprout. Watch as the seed cracks open and roots tangle their way into the earth, connecting you to stability and assurance. Feel the earth beneath you. Feel its support. Know that it is here to keep you steady as you continue to grow. Watch as a stem grows from those roots, drawing you into the rest of the world, connecting you to openness and clarity. From that stem grows leaves, allowing you to reach out to the rest of the world with love and compassion. At the top of that stem, a flower begins to bud, connecting you to self-confidence and drive. Lastly, that flower blooms, connecting you to your infinite wisdom, your truth. Now, if you're able to draw your hands to heart center and begin to rub your palms together, creating some friction and heat between the hands. And once you feel that heat, you can let your palms rest on your eyes. Open your eyes beneath your palms and just start to spread the fingers, letting in a little bit of light. And when you feel ready, you can release your hands from your face and welcome yourself back into this space. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. How often would you recommend we do this meditation? As often as you need. <laughs> so now you're still currently teaching yoga, is that correct? I am. I'm doing it all virtually. And so how could my listeners partake in that? 
Um, you can head to my website, uh, www.ekavedalife.com. And then you'll just hit the work with me button. And I have um, my yoga schedule up there. And there's lots of different places you can join me in lots of different time slots and types of yoga. Okay. And so now your sessions are a little bit more unique with Ayurveda, Ayurveda because you incorporate shamanism. That's correct? I do. And why did you choose to do that? Um, well, it started with um, me, myself, just being interested in it. And throughout my life, you know, there have been people that have told me I'm psychic and gifted and all these other things. I feel weird saying that out loud. Um, you got to own it. <laughs> but I know. I know. And so I decided to study it and just to learn more about it and the gifts that I have and how to use them and how to use them to not only help myself, but also help my clients. And really what I do is I tap into my intuition, which we all have. And I really try to feel what my clients are telling me because a lot of times we lie, right? Mm -hmm. and yeah. No shame here, but I mean, I know I've done it several times going to the doctor, right? We, we feel ashamed of something. So we tell a lie. We don't tell the full truth. So I try to tap into, you know, where those discrepancies are so that I can fully help prescribe or give my client the tools they need to uh, move onward and upward. Oh, that's awesome. And what do you believe is the connection between shamanism and Ayurveda? I think it's a lot of it comes down to self-awareness. Um, so it's like shamanism talks a lot about journeying, journeying and using ascended masters and just being aware of the energies around us, a lot more feeling. It's almost like tapping into a sixth sense. Yeah. And I think, and this is my own view on it, my own philosophy or perspective, but I think shamanism you know says there's this sixth sense and i think this sixth sense is used in ayurveda just as self-awareness connecting to our intuition so we just feel more not that tactile feel but this internal feeling yeah that absolutely makes sense and has it changed your sessions dramatically yeah, you know what? I think I was using it all along. I mean, that's what I realized. <laughs> right. I I went to study with a shaman that I actually had been doing it and I've been tapping into it. And I actually just, I didn't know. I just thought it was something everybody did. That's so funny. I, it so, was just always there. And so now you just have a label for it. Correct. Awesome. Well, can you tell my listeners how to follow you or book a session? Yeah. Again, you can head to my website, ekavedalife.com, or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at ekavedalife as well. Perfect. And is there one last message you have for my listeners about this time? Yes. Um, think less, feel more. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And thank you to Eric, my lovely producer, and you, the listener. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. And really love the show? Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakuratlovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday for another Love from the Hip at 2 p.m. And make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. <laughs>